Greetings in the name of Christ. This is the Hope to Hope podcast, a podcast that exists to share Christ, his truth, and his saving love for his people. To this end, we exist to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We began a few days ago looking at how we can deduce from John Calvin's teachings the theory of human rights. Human rights for Christians is not an ideology. We look at the Bible and the Bible tells us whether a particular thing is a human right as well. We know that in our constitution at the moment, there are a number of things that are termed human rights that we would not agree with that they are human rights. And so uh, it is not our duty as Christians to even argue with the state, but in the church, we have to teach what the Bible teaches. And so after looking at Professor Foster's just summary of John Calvin's view, I just want to give us pointed applications from the scriptures on how to view human beings, on how the Bible says we should view human beings, which should cure us of partiality, discrimination, and um, and things like that, even such as racism, a hot topic in our country and indeed in the world at the moment. And these are all applications of the gospel. And when we say we preach the gospel alone, we mean we also apply the gospel in how we practically show love. Men's image of God, firstly, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, ascribes a value to men and human beings that distinguish us from the rest of creation. The fact that Adam and Eve were created in the image of God shows that even human animals were not created in the image of God. Uh, veganism as a religion obviously would be contrary to the Bible because it then ascribes the same dignity to animals that the Bible doesn't. But the Bible clarifies that this quality that is in the human being is extended both to male and female in verse 27 of Genesis 1. Hence, there is no discrimination uh, and should be no discrimination along gender lines. And then the creation order then in the image of God establishes equal value for all human beings, which is why human rights should be extended to all human beings and, and only those that the Bible calls human rights, not everything else. And then if you understand the doctrine of total depravity, that despite being created sinless in God's image, Adam and Eve fell into sin in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 to verse 7, even after being warned by God in chapter 2 verse 7 to not sin against him. And the question then is, does total depravity mean that man is damnable and should be treated as such? Because some people will say, well, look at human beings. They've been created by God and now they have fallen. And because they are fallen, they should be treated this way. Which is why when the concept of race was introduced, it was introduced to justify things such as slavery. To say that human beings, especially those on the African continent, were cursed by God and cast to a life of servitude. So we should treat them as such. But... Reformed theology has subsequently improved on that doctrine and teaching to say, no, that is not the case. There is still human dignity in men. The likeness of God gives 
or in the image of God gives man give man dignity, not inherent goodness because we do not have it, we are totally depraved, but we see ourselves as God sees us. So even after the fall, Adam um, could still have worth. God ascribed worth to men. And he even warned in Genesis chapter 9 verse 6 against murder because men, even after the fall, is still made in the image and likeness of God. And so the capital crime of murder would attract capital punishment. Thus, human dignity and as a result of this inherent dignity of God, especially the the um, the right to life is a preserve of all human beings despite man's fallen condition and where they find themselves on the earth. And so because we are the creation of God, we have specific values. My responsibility and your responsibility as a Christian is to establish those values that God has given us. And so our responsibility, firstly as Christians, is to see that human beings have dignity and we must treat one another with dignity and value. And that is our duty. And that duty flows from love of one's neighbor. From the onset, God commanded Israel that they should love one another as they do themselves in Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18. Uh, genuine human rights should not be individualistic in that it focuses on the self and only the gains toward the self. It should instead be outward focused, always looking out for the interests of others. Christ himself emphasized this command upon his first coming. And when he was ministering, he highlighted that it is the second of the two commandments that formed the basis of the law in, Gen in Matthew chapter 22, verse 39 and verse 40. And so rights come to us in the form of commands and duties. When I love someone, it is their right, and I should love them. And the natural law as well, uh, that is engraved in all people, believer and unbeliever alike, as Romans chapter 2 verse 14 says, human beings then have the ability to distinguish between right and wrong, even outside a relationship with Christ. So even those who are not in Christ have no excuse to treat human beings um, in a dignified manner. We cannot state that everything outside the church is wrong. As John Calvin said, it is to deny that God made oh, this common grace in human beings. But all truth comes from God. Our duty is to test the truth or whatever people purport as truth. The Ten Commandments then in Exodus chapter 20 and repeated elsewhere in the New Testament, the latter six of the Ten Commandments deal with men's relationship to each other. These commandments serve to guide men in human relations and against infringing on another person's rights, including the right to life and personal property, private property. And the Ten Commandments refer to our duty and then our rights. Example, we have the right to choose who to marry, but it can also be our duty once we are married to extend um, um, uh, marriage duties to whoever we have married. And uh, if we do not marry, then we do not have duties towards 
um, people like that. So you can find in relationships that you 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 have duties um, on the basis of the relationship you have, but sometimes you don't have duties towards other people, which is why even in the acts of justice, for example, you don't have to focus on all justice because the Bible has a lot to talk about justice. It's it's many things. Justice is not just one thing. So you focus on whatever is prevalent in your society, prevalent in our church, prevalent in our families, for example. And when we are not faced with an issue that is elsewhere, we cannot trouble ourselves with that. But let me see if I'll return to this in a moment. But then lastly, let's look at the biblical view in summary of the duty of civil authority. It is clearly outlined in scripture that civil authority is established by God in Romans chapter 13, 1 Peter chapter 2, and opposing it is akin to opposing God. The appointment of civil authority is for the purpose of maintaining law and order in verse 4 of Romans 13. Thus, human governments have a part to play in advocacy of human rights as well. The government must not only be in control, but it must be controlled as well. How or by what? By human rights. It should be noted that due to the freedom of religion, then a separate of church and state, Christians cannot impose the Bible upon the government and the government cannot impose itself on the state, on the church as well. We have to respect um, one another's um, freedoms. We have to... to um, I wanted to return to this to this point and I lost it in my in 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 my notes. But I was saying as as human beings we have we have um things that we have to focus on. We have to evaluate everything that is face that that we are faced with. Um none of the issues of justice are are all encompassing such as human rights. It's not the only thing that we have to fight for. We may live in a country or live in a place where human rights are not um, threatened and so we will not focus on that but we we may be in a community for example where we do not have many poor people and so we will not be faced with the responsibility and requirement to deal with issues of poverty we may live in a society where we do not have issues of um, albinism or people killed because of their albinism so we may not focus on that we may not have an issue of uh, issues such as witchcraft and we will not focus on that but whatever we are faced with whatever is prevalent in our church in our society is what we have to go to the bible for and deal with it from a biblical perspective knowing that we are doing it because christ requires of us to do it